Welcome to Rough Drafts, how God writes his love in our stories, a podcast that explores the faith journeys of our friends and neighbors in Burns, Tennessee. Everyone has a story to tell. And in this podcast, we'll hear powerful and inspiring stories of how God works in the ordinary lives of people like you and me. Our stories are unfinished and perfectly imperfect. They're just rough drafts, a glimpse of what is to come because God is still at work, writing plot twists, introducing new characters, and bringing good even from the most challenging circumstances. Join us as we see what God is up to in our stories. Here's your host, Matthew Hyatt. Uh, Our guest today has a lot of miles on him. He has been in Russia. He has been in the States. He has been in California, Texas, Wisconsin, Kansas, Tennessee, Florida, but he is home now in Tennessee. He is a husband, he is a father, he is a security guru, and all those three-letter agencies probably have him on a watch list already, and now you might be on it just for talking to him. Who knows? Uh, but today's guest is Phil Cochran. Welcome, Phil. Thank you. We're here. Yes. We're yes, doing we this. Are. We are. We got this. What's your God story? Oh, wow. Um, I just jumped right in, I thought. Yeah, you just jumped right in. Yeah. Today. Um, well... If I was going to start anywhere, I would start um, back in uh, 2004, and I was going, I was in high school, and uh, I was going to a veterinary class, believe it or not, just one of those uh, classes where you can be, you can look at different jobs out in the community so like paramedic fireman veterinarian whatever dental that kind of thing and see if you like it and see if that's a career path for you so um i go to this class and apparently women want to be veterinarians more than men do because i was about one of three guys in a class of 30 people and so naturally, I go sit next to one of the other guys there. There's your first mistake in the story. <laughs> You're right, yeah. Yeah, I went to Fried Hardeman because their ratio was like 70-30. You know, I thought, I've got odds here. Sure, sure. Um, and so that, the one guy in particular I sat next to, his name was Luke. And the other guy was kind of, he was sketchy. So we won't get into that. But um, Luke... Uh, was a good friend of mine eventually and um we got to know each other had a good time in that class and luke was a christian and he took it upon himself to start asking me some of the tougher questions in life and just what i thought and was i going to a church anywhere have i read the bible that kind of thing and he eventually got me to start reading scripture on my own accord and uh, that led to uh, me eventually going to uh, Bible studies that were just down the street from my house uh, and game nights and just starting to sort of widen my group of friends into, I guess, the Christian world. And um, my worldly friends uh, were not good friends. Um looking back on it. Um, I was, I was constantly, uh, bullied 
and belittled and all sorts of, you know, unfun things. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to put it. Um, so when I, when I started going around this group of, of Christians and hanging out with them, I, it struck me that these people actually cared about me, that they wanted to be with me. They, um, and it wasn't like they were just trying to cram religion down my throat. They genuinely just wanted to spend time with me and get to know me and find out who I was as a person and, you know, not do all those other awful things. And so <clears throat> eventually, um, through their love and, and compassion towards me, I began going to worship and decide, yes, I do want to follow Christ and eventually get there. And really that's kind of the beginning of my God story. Um, when I became a Christian and as it is for everyone really. Yeah. Um, and shortly after, um, I decided to devote my life to Christ. Um, I am getting ready to graduate high school. Um, I hear about uh, a missions program called Adventures in Missions. And I think a couple years ago at camp, I spoke to teenagers about it here. Yeah. Um, and so Adventures in Missions, they have a, like a little camp you can check out. Uh, to see if you're interested in it. So I went to that, uh, decided, yeah, I think this is the first step I want to take outside of high school. And man, it really changed the course of my life at that point. Um, I moved to Lubbock, Texas, and in Bible classes for months, you know, studying the Bible like 40 hours a week. Yeah. And so, I mean, you can imagine as a fresh Christian, this is like just, you're just getting injected with all this Bible knowledge and yeah. it's so much to process. But, um, that all leads up to me, uh, getting selected to go to Russia on a missions team. And so in, uh, 2006, I'm in the summer of 2006, I moved to Tomsk, Russia, which is over, um, Novosibirsk is another city, a big city. Oh, of right. course, yes, there. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows Novosibirsk. Uh, it's it's a little above uh, north of Kazakhstan. I've heard of Kazakhstan. Yeah, so if you have a map, open your map up. It's there. You can see it. We'll have to add like a picture to the show notes or something. <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh, so I moved to, moved to Tomsk and um, began getting involved over there with... Uh, uh, children's camps, uh, the homeless ministries, uh, all sorts of things, teaching classes at the congregation, uh, which is a hard thing to do when you're, there's a language barrier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, it was, uh, it was a life-changing experience over there. Um, when we first arrived, it it wasn't like what I expected. I figured, okay, I'm moving to Siberia, right? It's cold. Yeah. Well, I moved there in June. It's not, in fact, cold in June. It's very hot. It's like triple digits over there. And what's worse is that there's not a whole lot of air conditioning or good ventilation over there. And it's far enough north in the world that 
daylight is a thing. Um, oh, so it's all the time. Yeah. So in June, I mean, it was about, it was almost as light as it's going to get all year. So my first night there, I, um, we worked with uh, some missionaries over there. I crashed in the sky's, uh, apartment and on a futon and I'm laying there and it's like 10 30 at night. And I mean, it looks like right now, you know, in the morning, the sun is out, it's shining. And I'm just thinking to myself, what, what did I get into? What have I done? What, what is this place? This is not what I thought. I thought I was coming into like a, you know, blizzard territory and a frozen tundra or something. And, uh, it was, yeah. So eventually it did get to that. Eventually it did snow a lot. And I got to see the other end of daylight where there wasn't a whole lot of it for many months. Yeah. Um, so after Russia, um, moved back to the States, um, and I decided to, uh, continue working with the adventures and missions program. Um, but to go to, uh, Florida, there was a church down there in Cocoa beach Siberia, Florida. Holy moly. Siberia, Florida. Was a huge change. Yeah, it was big. Um, and did uh, college ministry stuff down there, got a job. Um, and uh, at that point in time, um, my parents were having some marital issues and uh, they were looking like they were going to go through a divorce. So I moved back to California and... Um, eventually met Amber there. She was there and, um, she was also a part of the, the adventures and missions program. And she happened to just be working with my home congregation because her team was going to Brazil and their visas got denied. So they needed like a backup plan. And so she was there when I got back and, um, anyway, you know, found out that she was a nerdy girl just like me. And, um, Except I'm not a nerdy girl. I don't know why I just said that. <laughs> I was going to ask. I thought, here's the first for the Rough Drafts There's, podcast. There are no secrets. There are no secrets, I swear. Huh. Yeah. I'm going to call someone real quick. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Um. So anyway, uh, got to know Amber, got married, and um, had kids, and... um. You know, in the in the midst of all that, um, I guess I'll I'll pause with moving forward a bit. Um, in the midst of all that, um, you know, Greer's podcast that he recorded—I can say this because it's been released already—but yeah. a lot of what Greer talked about with depression um, really struck me, as I know it struck a lot of people in this area, um, and that that is something that is absolutely part of my walk at dealing with depression. Um, <clears throat> like I said, I got bullied in school and you know, when you get, uh, when you get bullied, um, constantly for years in those years when your, your brain is doing a lot of the growing, a lot of the, the shaping and it, it stays with you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's not like I, I look back and, you know, like I'm saying like, oh, poor me, poor me or whatever, but it shapes the way you think as 
uh, an adult down the road and you develop these these habits of um, negative thought and that's that's a hard thing to break when it's been so reinforced for many years many years right yeah it kind of uh, forms an identity for you like i don't deserve to be happy or people are all bad or... yeah yeah exactly um <clears throat> so um get married and um we have emmerich our first child and um i'm going to school full-time i'm going to i'm working full-time got this new baby uh, eventually Aurelia comes and um, everything kind of just came to a head with me as far as my depression goes and it was with everything going on in my life it was easily the most stressful time of my life and um, so eventually I um eventually i i found myself um i was sitting on the bed and just dealing with my thoughts and i had a loaded gun in my hand and i was thinking of doing it and i'm happy i'm happy i didn't do it obviously um i had happy about that too yeah yeah but just to kind of you know set the tone of where my mind was at that time. And, uh, I have a friend, uh, Steve, um, whom has come here a few times now and worshiped with us. Um, he, he was out there in California at the time. And, uh, I had lunch, confided in him what I was going through. And as you can imagine, like anyone who, an outsider seeing me just lay all the stuff um, upon him, uh, they would. He just said, "Okay, there's so many red flags here. We need to get you to a doctor." Yeah. And um, <clears throat> so that kind of began my uh, the first steps into working through my depression. And took all the weapons out of my house, all that kind of stuff. And yeah. So the journey of of trying to find some help. Um, I have a friend who's been going through this off and on. He's in another state. Uh, and, you know, I don't know when this episode will come out, so these time references won't be right anymore. Mm-hmm. But he was in a really bad place the last couple of weeks. And he talked about he went to the doctor on Friday, and they said, there's nothing we can do for you. Good luck. We we may have an opening next week. Mm-hmm. So he's sitting in his house by himself all weekend. Yikes. And... You know, uh, it's nothing but the grace of God that he's still alive today, I think. Uh, Yeah. But, man, these systems are not designed for success. I agree. And I was ignorant to that when I first uh, went to the doctor. It was just my general practitioner, right? Mm -hmm. And there is a place for general practitioners. And I understand that they they have to have some kind of response when someone with this mindset comes to them asking for help. Yeah. Um, but you know, the resources we're, we're given are pretty run of the mill. 
So can I tell you something crazy? And I, I can't I can't name names on this one, but I was talking to somebody, and, and basically, if if you call mobile pro, mobile crisis mm-hmm. to triage you, they're going to ask, um, "Are you thinking of hurting yourself or somebody else?" Right. And if you say yes, that's not the end of the conversation. Their follow up question is, "Do you have a viable plan to do this?" Yes, and I was asked both those questions. And if you don't have a viable plan you're no longer in the triage category where they'll move heaven and earth for. Correct. So this friend of mine literally said, if you're in this situation, tell them that you're going to drive your car off your bridge because that's a viable plan and they'll help you. I thought, this is so jacked up that the advice was, like, you have to lie to the doctor to get taken care of. Yeah, yeah. Well, and to kind of play out those questions for myself, uh, yes, I was thinking of hurting myself. That was obviously the answer to that question. Yeah. And did I have a plan? I, I mean, I was upfront about that. Like I look, I was sitting on my bed with a gun in my hand loaded and I was thinking about doing it. Is that plan enough for you? Yeah. And if heaven and earth did not get moved for me because, uh, we took the guns out of the house. Now you no longer had a viable plan. Now I no longer have a viable plan. How right? jacked up is this? Right. So I was given a, you know, a prescription and a couple of prescriptions. One was a calm down prescription. The other one was an antidepressant and um, started, you know, getting in the world of medications. And uh, it's a really long slow process doing this, um, taking antidepressants, figuring out if they work and, um, navigating side effects, finding the uh, dosage. Yeah, yeah uh, really. The side effects can be awful. And then, you know, if you have to change prescriptions, you have withdrawals sometimes if you're not careful and those are just awful. There's an entire class of those meds called SSRIs. Correct. And if you've taken them selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor something yep. like that yep um and if you take them long enough and you quit cold turkey it brings everything back but 10 times worse oh yeah i know that and i had um so during this i had some job changes come about and insurance changes oh, no. as you can imagine right and i lived through one of those experiences and i don't know if you've if you've seen the movie The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise, he's basically having alcohol withdrawals and laying on the floor screaming, sake. <laughs> and uh, it was pretty much like that, cold sweats. And um, now I know there's a term for him called brain zaps. It kind of feels like you're uh, getting little electrical jolts in your brain that you have no control over. That sounds unpleasant. Yes, I, I kind of equate it to, I, you know, it, it's almost similar to like a Tourette's twitch. Like, I can't help it. There's something going on inside me, and it's like this zappy twitch feeling. And um, so, anyway, um, years go by, right? And I'm dealing with this. Um, meds aren't exactly working. Um, some are causing awful side effects, um, such as aggravating my migraines, which is a whole nother piece that I haven't talked about. Um, I've had migraines all my life and they've gotten really bad as an adult. Um, when we were in Wisconsin specifically, 
they were awful. They were just terrible. And um, I do believe that was in part because of the, the antidepressants I was taking. Um, and I eventually started figuring out food triggers as well. So, um, but and what's so hard about all this, like when your arm is broken, it's obvious, here's the treatment, you know, we put this thing in a cast, maybe we do surgery, right? you know, maybe you do some PT, but when it's anything that is less obvious, uh, you know, for whatever reason, when it comes to mental health, there's a stigma that I don't want to get help with treatment. Like I should just buck up and be fine. Yeah. That's dumb. Yeah. But then, you know, our, our emotional health is tied to so many things. It's tied to our relational health. It's tied to our occupational health. Um, it's tied to our diet, our exercise. Yeah. And I mean, it has a true physical, biological component, just like a broken arm, too. So Agreed. Trying to manage all these things. And these are all things we don't have a lab test for. Like, right. We can't take you to a doctor and run a scan. And it says, oh, yeah, you're 3.29% sad. Like, right. You know? Yeah. 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 I know. I, I completely agree with that. Um, and I think that um, concussions, even, uh, I've had a few concussions in my life, um, to say the least. And um, it's called the invisible injury, right? You can't, you know what's happened, but you can't really see the damage of it. I mean, unless it's really bad, right? Yeah, but, but the data coming out, what's it called, CTE, that um, pro football players, right? Um, uh, the damage it does long term, the yeah, you know they're they're doing autopsies of these guys thirty years later and finding just massive trauma. Oh, for sure, yeah, and I, who knows what the impact was of that? It was a football helmet, but uh, no, <laughs> that's a bad reference. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> can't resist but i mean it's it's hard to say right you've you've been injured in your brain or you're sick in your brain i mean is it fair to say you're sick in your brain you can be sick just about anywhere else injured anywhere else on your body why can't something in your brain be sick or or have an ailment or something we just can't exactly show that on tests a lot of the time but and you and i haven't had this conversation before so we may not even be on the same page here and if not that's okay but one of the things we struggled with at church is so much of church is like, here's the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, faith. You should be happy if you're a Christian. Mm. And so without realizing it, um, <clears throat> sometimes our spirituality has hurt us here instead of helped us mm. because now I feel guilt. Um, you know, when you have a broken arm, again, you go to the doctor, you get help. But if I have the blues, sometimes I feel like, well, I just need to be a better Christian. Right. Like, oh, that's that's not helpful here. No. We that, made that mistake. And that irks me a little bit. I think there is there is room for, for that, um, for that thought process. So, you know, maybe if you're having seasonal depression or something, I don't know. Um, well, there's a difference between being bummed out and yeah. being major depressive disorder. Sure. Those yeah. are not the same thing. Sure. Postpartum depression that a woman experiences, I mean, it's a well-documented phenomenon yeah it's not absolutely. just cheer up you know right you don't tell a cancer patient cheer up right and it i had this discussion with uh my psychiatrist and i basically said look i i know i'm a blessed individual i can see i've got a wife i've got a kids they love me i've got this house i've got a great job i'm god is truly got me in his hand taking care of me 
So why don't I feel that? I'm smart enough to see it. Why is it an impossibility for me to feel that? Shouldn't that, I mean, shouldn't that tell you something's wrong there? Why? And and he had some theories and we went with them and things have gotten better in a lot of ways. Um, So, but yeah, it's, it's that invisible sickness and it was it was hard on my faith uh i dealing with depression dealing with migraines on top of that too so not only are you sad but you're also in pain you try to be happy try to be joyful in those times and especially when you know we've moved from california to wisconsin and we're still trying to make friends out there and it's not going so well making good friends and you have all that stuff and it just felt like you know you're crawling through the trenches by your fingertips towards god and you have faith the size of a mustard seed right and that's all you got and you're not seeing the mountains move you know, seeing the mountains move, you're just you're just having that faith that I still want you, God, despite all this, in the pain, in the hardship, I'm going to crawl myself forward and be faithful that you will grab me at some point in time and and take me through this. So You know, it's just tough. Um and I'm I'm really glad we're reaching a place as a society and as a church where we can have these conversations. You know, this is yeah. Uh, and I hate that there are still a lot of corners uh, of the world where, um, I, I don't want to be dramatic, but it's almost career ending. To you know, people in the military tend not to have the opportunity. People in law enforcement tend not to have the opportunity to have these conversations because there's mm. there are corners where there's still more stigma. I think. Oh. For sure, yeah. I can't even imagine that, yeah. Airline pilots, um, if they ever take any of these meds, like they basically get delisted immediately and they have to prove that. And again, I get I get some caution. Like, I want to think that my airline pilot is not doped up. That's is sure, yeah. an important idea. But I also don't want to have a quasi-suicidal airline pilot who's unmanaged. So like, yeah. you know, let's, yeah. let's think this through. Fair point, yeah. Um, so Greer's episode, and this is kind of weird that we're using your podcast episode to talk about other people. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that has been really neat is the number of conversations uh, we've had with people who are seeking counseling, who are seeking help, mm-hmm. and have shared it with other people. Yeah. Um, and that that has been a real blessing just to see you, the path towards getting help is not as clear as we would like it to be. And you and I aren't going to fix the U.S. medical system mm-hmm. Or the mental health system. I was talking to another friend, and she works for one of the treatment centers in town. Mm-hmm. And she says we are a substance abuse clinic that provides mental health services. She said the problem is the reality for ninety nine percent of our patients are is that they are mental health patients who have a substance use problem. Oof. He said yeah, we we rough. are we are backwards, and and they're one of the leaders. They're doing it right. Mm-hmm. And she says we're still upside down. Um, wow. I, I, I wouldn't know 
where how to address that with substance abuse uh, as far as um the average average joe average depressed american goes um i could say that um you know starting it it wasn't a bad idea to start with the general practitioner right yeah that's a stepping stone and they throw some meds at you see if they stick if they don't stick don't do what i did and not say anything for a long time you need to speak up because he's not going to get it right or they're not going to get it right the first try most yeah. likely and that's that's part of what is so hard about this process is that you know these ssri drugs that we talked about they take a long time to to build up to what they're going to be doing for your body and so sometimes you have to wait a couple months before you even find out is this going to change me is this gonna am i gonna feel happier i'm gonna feel less sad am i gonna feel numb or empty like what what's it gonna make me feel um and it just takes a long time to figure that out and i would say you know you might be better off in the hands of a specialist rather um like a psychiatrist um yes that i tell people that all day long yeah if you need to start at your gp great but don't stay there yeah because don't stay there. they don't know this stuff right i mean they'll hand you something but they don't understand the dosage you know if you have too little you can have side effects that when you increase it the side effects go away which right is like and, totally backwards and that's and that's no fault of the general practitioners no, i mean they're they have to do everything they got to do everything and this this area of medicine it's just it's so specialized there's so much depth to it that you need somebody who just solely works on this well and the research is changing day by day week by week mm -hmm. you know the other thing i also tell people when i talk to them is don't just go to the doc and get meds make sure that you're getting some sort of counseling talk therapy yes. in there too because 99% yes. of the time there is there are lies that we believe or mm -hmm. soundtracks we have in our brain that we repeat ourselves flawed thinking processes mm -hmm. and if you don't deal with them you're not dealing with half of the problem agreed yeah agreed um, so this question may be too much uh, oh oh no <laughs> The day that you sat on the bed, mm. what kept you from pulling the trigger? My kids. Yeah. Just my kids easily. I I, I wanted to be a part of their lives. And, I, you know, you mentioned these lies that we tell, us, tell ourselves, right? It's so true. Um, we get these in, intrusive thoughts that... Uh, you know, say you're worth nothing. People be better off without you. This world would be better off without you. And there would there came a a time in this uh, the struggle with depression where I realized that I shouldn't be trying to just push away those thoughts. I know that sounds wrong, but rather what I should be feeling is that I I don't want to feel this way. Like not that. Let me try to clarify that. Um, it's not. It's not all about uh, just fighting against the thought of I. I want to kill myself. I don't want to be here anymore. It's more of looking like as somebody else who is is happy and and just asking yourself why can't I feel that way? I want to feel 
that way. I don't want to feel this way. And it's kind of changing your mindset about, it's less about just fighting those thoughts and more about turning the thought process into is I don't want to feel this way anymore. Yeah. And that was huge for me. I know that sounds like a really simple thing to think of, but when you're in it and you're in the trenches and those thoughts are coming at you all day long, having that profound thought of, wait, this, none of this is true. I don't want to feel this way. I want to feel happy. It's so what not do I do? avoiding the negative thought. It's pursuing the positive one. Yeah. Yeah. And I, gosh, I feel like, uh, that concept really applies to our, our walk with Jesus as well. Oh yeah. It's not avoiding the sin. It's, it's following Christ. It's pursuing the good. Yeah. And that stuff will take care of itself by grace or it will just leave your life because of who you're following. It's funny. I get in trouble sometimes because people say I don't preach enough against sin. Um, but I just don't know a whole lot of stories of times when I or the people around me have stopped it because they had a sermon where they felt guilt. I mean, you yeah. do for a little while, but what produces real life change is the pursuit of Jesus because in the pursuit of Jesus, you drop the baggage because you drop the baggage, yeah. you know, and, you know. and he takes it from you. Right. You're not focused on it anymore. And I, man, I, yeah, I find the times, uh, I think back on when, you know, I, I was struggling and, uh, it was fighting sin and my focus was on that. It was on, I don't want to do this thing anymore. And then your mind is just full of that thought all day long. Like you're thinking about the thing that you're trying not to do rather than what's most important. Uh, your, the grace that, that God gave us and your salvation, the things to be happy about. And, uh, instead you're training your, your mind to just think about sin all day long. I heard a, a teacher say one time, you know, don't think about a purple elephant. You know, absolutely, whatever you do, stop thinking about a purple elephant. And what the conversation does is it makes you think about a purple elephant because right. you're thinking so hard about not thinking about But if I want to get you to stop thinking about a purple elephant, I can ask you to start thinking about a green unicorn. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, you just go in a different direction. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I get these uh, preacher catalogs are so funny. Like I get this one from Christian Book that's nothing but Bibles. It's like a 75-page catalog of, you know, every version of the Bible you can imagine. Oh, you know, yeah. yeah. Here's the outdoorsman, teenage girls, camo American Bible, <laughs> you know. Right, yeah. You know? Uh, here's the, the the giant print where there's four words a page, you know, there's, there's all of these. But I've started getting ads recently for some journals that have been interesting. There's some apps that do it too. And they're based on cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, mm. The idea that you, um, you can think about your thinking. Mm, that's good stuff, um, yeah. And basically it asks you to write down uh, daily what thought distortions or, or what lies you've had, you know, right. I'm catastrophizing, yeah. you know, okay, uh, I did bad on this thing. The world's going to end. I'm going to get fired. I'm going to, okay, that's, it's not true. That's catastrophize. So you right. write down what ways your thinking has been untrue or unhelpful. And then it prompts you to write down what the truth that you hear from scripture is. Yeah. Regardless of whether or not I have any money. I'm loved in Christ. I'm rich. I'm blessed. Totally. Uh, and it's really cool how how many neat tools there are that there weren't even a couple of years ago. These are, I saw a Facebook ad for one the other day. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. I went through that at some point in time and 
um, yeah, I found it to be very helpful. And it, it, that example I gave earlier of like, I don't want to think this way anymore is it very much falls in line with what CBD, CBT trains you to do because you're almost asking yourself to, you know, in the midst of having these thoughts to step back and look at it and be like, okay, these are thoughts in my head. I'm going to recognize them, but that's all they are. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily make them true. And yet, like what you're saying, how is this going to make my day more productive or yeah. whatnot, you know? Just because I think it doesn't mean it's true. Just sure. because I feel it doesn't mean it's true. Right. You know, I feel what I feel, but not every feeling is the truth. My, right. My feeling about wasps is not true. I mean, if I get stung, I'm not going to die. It's going to hurt. I'm going to be angry. But yes. it's not as big of a deal as my little heart thinks it is. Sure. You know? Yeah. And, you know, just being able to uh, look around at the facts around you. Okay. I feel this way, but... Um, I've got a wife who's crazy about me and that says something. I've got kids who are crazy about me. That says something. So why does that make my thoughts untrue? Yeah, it, it does make them untrue. I, I'm still thinking them, but I've labeled them. Yes. I know this isn't true. I know this isn't true. I know this isn't true. Yeah. Mm. So. So what, um, through this process, what have you learned about God? Mm. Well, um, I think kind of going back on um, what I had said before that, uh, you know, having faith the size of a mustard seed in the darkness and in the, the trenches uh, in the war in your mind um, that he can lift you up. He can pull you out of this. And all he's asking for is faith and all he's asking for is you to try to do what Peter did and step out of the boat. Even when it's just, it's impossible to believe that he will catch you. He will make you walk on that water that you hang in there. And in that first step out of the boat, it's the hardest. It's really hard. You know, it's really hard, but it's scary. I think sometimes Peter gets a, I think we're too mean to Peter. Oh, he looked at the waves. Well, he got out of the boat. Peter's awesome. Yeah. He really is. I And uh, yeah, he got out of the boat. Who else did? No one did. Yeah. You, you don't see Bartholomew. You know, right. Swimming laps next to him. Yeah. So, yeah, just to, um, you know, to, in in the middle of this, those intrusive thoughts, to to push them aside and have that faith commitment that you're desperately hanging on to. Yeah. Yeah. So draw near to God and he, he will draw near to you. Mm, indeed. Somebody should write that down somewhere. Yeah. Um, I guess, uh, let me see. Um, a kind of another thing, um, I know we're kind of deep into this already. Um, you know, another thing that kind of, I guess, poured salt in the wound um, was that um, during this, over these years, um, we, Amber and I, were watching a lot of um, the people that we looked up to in the faith 
um, were leaving the faith for one reason or the other. And uh, maybe they just didn't want to anymore. Maybe they decided they studied themselves out of believing. Um, and that was hard. Because yeah. um, whether we whether we say it or not, we all look up to somebody, right? We are all inspired by uh, people uh, in the church um, um, whom we have as like, oh, I want to I want to be more like them. Like, look at their servant hearts, you know. And then to see these people like just turn their backs and walk away, it's it's tough. And we're still here through all of it. Um, and that was just another added kind of kick in the teeth beat down of the process. Yeah. And like, I don't feel strong enough to, you know, be the one that should be hanging around here still. Yeah. If one of us should have fallen away, it should have been me. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. But to bring it full circle, one of the reasons you're still here is you thought about your impact on your children. Yes. Um, and I think that's a thing sometimes we should think about spiritually too. When we get ready to throw in the towel, um, I think we need to think about who we leave behind. Mm. Um, because I don't know a whole lot of people. I mean, I know it happens. I don't know a whole lot of people who are Christ followers who who truly wake up in the morning and say, well, I don't believe in Jesus anymore. Mm. Usually what happens is I got tired, I got burnt out, I got hurt, yeah. I got disappointed, and I'm done with you people. Yeah. And like, I get that. I, I get how you get there. Um, three quarters of the complaints I hear in a week are usually, uh, okay, I'll go ahead and just tell the truth. They're moronic, you know? <laughs> um, like, did I complain this week? <laughs> <laughs> Think about it very carefully. <laughs> I might be talking about you, <laughs> you know, and most of the complaints I make myself are moronic. So let's just, <laughs> let's just bring that into full circle. Um, but you know, it, it's easy to get frustrated with what other people do. And I was talking to somebody one time who wanted to quit because of some drama and church politics type stuff. And I mm. said, if you quit, remember that that leaves, and I named the people who are causing problems, that leaves them running the ship. Do you want to do that? You know? Yeah. That's that's hard. Yeah. That's really hard. I don't uh, like it at no, all. No, no. But I mean, and I've, I've put some good thought into this and... You just, I mean, read Paul's letters, like the churches, they were a mess. They were a complete mess. I I think we've, you know, we, for good reason, we highlight, you know, what Paul is pushing us and pushing the churches to be like, but really you read those letters and you're like, holy moly, what? First Corinthians. We take off running from that church. Yeah. Like it. It probably, I mean, probably feel more like this weird club than a <laughs> God-fearing church, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, that, I guess, makes me feel better about, you know, what we're a part of and, and we're in good company. We're in good company. Yeah. We're not the first generation that has jacked up church. Right. Yeah. You know, we've had a long time to learn to get it right. And we still haven't. So. Yes. We make mistakes. The church back then made mistakes. Mm-hmm. It's a part of the process. That's why we need grace. Absolutely. It's funny sometimes we'll give grace for anything, but but our church errors, mm. you know, I can have God's grace for being a jerk, but not God's grace for getting church wrong. That, that didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we do silly things. 
Well, Phil, is there anything else you want to talk about? Anything else you want to share today? You know, I could go on for a long time, but no, I think that's well. Thanks for that's good. Thanks for what you shared with us. And again, I hope that um, I hope what Phil shared today, maybe uh, if you're listening and you're struggling with some of the same things, that you'll you'll reach out and and try to find some answers. And and I hope and I pray that uh, you'll have the tenacity to keep trying because you almost never get them the first time. Wow, that was encouraging. <laughs> but I'd rather tell you the truth. They don't pay me enough to lie to you. There, there is help out there. There are people that will listen. Absolutely. Well, friends, thanks for listening. Uh, remember, our episodes drop every Tuesday morning on iTunes, on YouTube, on Burnisher Christ Facebook page, on Google Podcasts, on Amazon Echo. Hey, wait, if I say Alexa, will it activate people's Alexa set alarm for 3 a.m.? I hope I got one of you just then. Uh, you can find this podcast anywhere you find podcasts, and we'd appreciate it if you'd share it with a friend. Uh, and until next time, I can't wait to hear what God's up to in your story. Thanks for listening to Rough Drafts. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, help us spread the word by leaving a rating and review. Until next time, let's keep looking for how God writes His love into our stories. <laughs>